0: Well, morning, folks. Great to see you. It's just great to be out of the house, actually. Um, I don't know if you gathered, but we had COVID in our house last week and some of this week. We are all clear of COVID, just not quite clear of the tiredness that comes as a result. But um, it's it's great to see you. This morning, we are going to um, conclude our All In series on Vision for the Church in 2022. I'm going to do a couple of things this morning, uh, but first, just I wonder if you, um, I wonder what, I wonder if you've been thinking why we use that phrase, all in. What does that mean, all in? All into what? What are we talking about? What are we thinking about here? Um, is it just an opportunity for us to run down the church's programs and plans for 2022? You know, what services, what small groups, teams, courses, how to get involved. If I'm honest, when we first planned this series, there was an element of that. Um, you know, it's not a bad time to, it's a natural time at the new year to restate vision and restate what we're doing and share our plans, especially after such a, a disrupted um, time. But I think that God's intentions for us this year go much deeper than just attending some services and groups and things like that. That's important, but it's quite surface compared to what we're really trying to get at here. Um, you know, as as we've learned, haven't we, our plans can change and have had to change but God remains the same and so our vision for the church in 2022 and to be honest every year is to be all in as disciples following Jesus we want to be all into Jesus not not just all into church we want to be intentionally spending our time getting to know Jesus better committed to growing to become more like Jesus doing the things Jesus did and does so all in has a deliberate double meaning. It means it, you could think of all in as us as individuals. Are we all in? Are we completely committed to this following Jesus, to discipling, to being disciples? Are we committed? Is every part of us engaged with Jesus? Or are there aspects of our life that fall outside his remit? Has he got every bit of us? Are we all in? That's one way of looking at this. But there's another way, which is us as a church family. Are we all in? Is everybody able to take part? Is everybody able to get involved? Or do some find themselves outside of some sort of sort of circle or something? If so, is that their choice or is there a reason for that? Are we, in the words of High School Musical, are we all in this together? This is a challenge that we feel that God has been speaking to us about as we've approached this year, 2022, as we've prepared to speak each of these um, Sundays and over the last month, both Joe and Paul and myself each of us have sensed God trying to lead us in a certain direction, give us a particular message. Joe talked about walking by faith, about choosing to stay close to God so we can hear his voice, so we can follow the voice, the lead of the spirit. I talked a couple of weeks ago about the tension of choosing to trust in God's plans when it, when it looks one way, but you know that God has a different plan that you can't really see, and the, the inevitable tension That we live in sometimes, the contradiction of, well, it looks like this, but I know that God's saying that. And then last week, Paul spoke about how all healthy things grow, how God is in the business of change, the change in our lives, and how following Jesus is about embracing that change. And I kind of want to bring all of that to a conclusion this morning by talking just a little bit later on about dependency on God, how it is that we choose not to be dependent on ourselves and the things that we can do, but on God. I'm sorry, I don't have the clicker, so do you mind changing the slide for me? Um, A little challenge I want to throw out, a few questions for 2022 that have come to me as I've reflected on this, um, on some of the talks we've had the last couple of weeks. What is God inviting us to step into this year? How do we want our faith to grow? What... Attitudes or values do we want to see changed in our lives? Is there something going on that you are not happy with that you would like to see changed? And what's getting in the way of that? What obstacles are causing us that tension? And perhaps most importantly, as we think about this year and the rest of this year, how are we staying close to Jesus as we live through our story and as we think about how to bring about real Change. Now, I'm going to come back to those questions in just a few moments, but one of the key ways that we're going to engage with this over the next couple of months is through a course. The course is called Changes That Heal. There's a slide here, and Paul introduced this course to us last week. I just want to tell you a little bit more about it. It's based on a classic Christian, it's a sort of one of those classic Christian texts that's been around for many years, this book, Changes That Heal, by a, a fantastic Psychologist, Christian psychologist called Dr. Henry Cloud. Um, right back at the start of the pandemic, Joe and I were invited onto a webinar that he was running. And it was called Coping with Crisis. And we listened to him just share some insights and some real wise stuff with leaders. Um, and afterwards, Joe was researching him a bit. And she was digging around on his website and um, found this, spotted this course based on this book, Changes That Heal. Um, and Joe really felt a nudge from the spirit to check it out, okay? And as she looked into it, she said, oh, this could be a really helpful format to help people deal with the stress and the anxiety and the pain of the pandemic, or to be honest, of everything, but particularly of COVID. And so Joe asked Claire and Mervyn, who've got tons of experience in this area, to check out the course. Does have, please have a look at this, evaluate it, see if it's something that we could use in our church. And and, and of course they did. Um, And they said they thought it should be brilliant. And so over the past 18 months or so, pilot groups have been running. Put your hand up if you've been involved in one of these courses. Fantastic. Quite a few of us. And so you already know, those of you, it started with us as a staff team, we went through this material, other people, we've been really moved to hear some stories. Here's just one testimony that we received from somebody, this is what she wrote, somebody who's been in one one of the courses. She said this, we all trust each other, feel safe with each other, and have shared in a way that some of us have never done before. God revealed truths and gave space for real revelation and opportunity for release and freedom and healing. The opportunity to receive prayer from the group, who were all in similar yet different situations, was like being, this is her words, being wrapped up in a warm blanket of love and acceptance. She then said, I instantly wished that the certain members of my family could know all of this, and I sincerely believe that everyone would benefit from hearing this teaching. I can't recommend it highly enough. And we, have, we felt the same. We really believe that this course has a reach that goes way beyond church, actually, It's such clear material, it's such an accessible format that we're wondering if it's something that we can offer to anybody to come and just have a chance to process their pain and process their loss in a quite a simple and straightforward and loving and accepting way. And so we're not actually running groups this term, but instead in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to just work through the basics of some of this teaching here on Sundays with follow-up in life groups. And so if you were here last week, or if you've watched last week's service on YouTube, you'll know that Paul introduced uh, this whole topic, talking about change and growth. And he then tried to play a video, which was part of the talk, and it didn't play. Um, it wasn't there. And unflustered, Paul brilliantly stepped into the gap, asked the Lord to help him, shared some stories, and finished the talk. Um, but I'm just here to tell you that the reason the video didn't play is it's my fault. Um, Joe and I both had COVID. We were completely out of it, and some communication didn't happen and hence there was no video. Um, We were really thankful for Paul in that moment, and particularly thankful for his faithfulness, but this morning I want you to see the video that you missed out last week. So um, this is um, around 10 minutes long, and this is Dr. Cloud, Dr. Henry Cloud, introducing this changes that heal course, introducing the material, and this will give you an idea of where we're going after this week in the next um, couple of months. So perhaps we could watch that together.
1: Hey guys, have you ever had this question, how do I get better? Whether I'm struggling with some kind of, you know, depression or anxiety or whether I got a relationship that's broken, that's causing pain or whether I can't, you know, get where I want to go in life. You know, I think we've all felt something along those lines and we all have that question, what's the path? How do I get, how do I get better? How do I get through this? Well, God has the answers for that. And I think no matter how we, you know, work those answers out, whether it's with a therapist or a pastor or a group, wherever it is, there are always three main ingredients that you see present in everything that God does that has to do with with our growth. Now in this section, we're we're gonna kinda illustrate what those three areas are so that you know that whatever you're trying to do and however you're trying to grow, that you can have the essential ingredients of growth present in what you're doing. Now, to illustrate this, um, you know, the Bible talks about this in so many ways, but one of my favorite ways of talking about this is out of a parable that Jesus told. It's found in Luke chapter 13, and it's the parable of the fig tree. And here's what he says. A man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on that tree, and he didn't find any. And then he actually gets mad, he says, cut it down. Why does it even use up the soil? He says, for three years, I've been looking for fruit on this tree. Cut it down. But then the vineyard grower steps in and he says, wait a minute, sir. Wait, let me do three things. Let me dig around, fertilize, and let's give it another year. Now, what I would propose to you, and we see this in, in, throughout the Bible, is that those three ingredients connect to God's biggest, biggest principles, his grace, his truth, and using time. And what we're going to do is we're going to unpack kind of how those work. You know, the digging around part, what do we dig around to find? You know, the tree wasn't getting better. We can't just look at the outside. What do you have to do? He's going to dig around and go underneath the surface and find out what's there. And then he had to fertilize. He had to give it something that it couldn't produce for itself, some food and nourishment. We're gonna talk about that. And then thirdly, this wasn't gonna happen in a weekend retreat. Growth takes place over time as we're planted and firmly rooted in these different processes. So let's look at what happens next after that. Well, you know, when he says let's dig around and fertilize and give it another year. He says after that, you know, if it doesn't happen then, then, then we can cut it down. And so what God does is he sets this, this framework of time. Really, it's time, you know. We're going to work on these things for a period of time. And then at some point, our time is up, you know. We're all going to die. And we have this period of time called life. And if we're using our lives, digging around and fertilizing in the right ways in a process, and what we're going to find as we heal. So let's take each one of those. You know, this first one of digging around about the truth, one of the things we hear a lot, and I've heard this a thousand million times, is because we love God and we love his truth. You know, you'll hear, well, the truth shall set you free. Well, that's true. But if you notice that passage, see a lot of people will just try to memorize scripture or just try to go to the word and say, you know, the truth's gonna set me free. Well, that's not all of what Jesus said there. What he also said was, if you hold to my teachings, if you walk in my ways, then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So it's not just memorization. And we take this digging around to find the truth, what you see, and this gets to the healing of all these areas, what we see is when people get better, They don't just memorize a principle. They take the truths of God's word that does some digging. And here's the key, below the surface. See, when we just, you know, water a plant or wave at it or shine light on it, sometimes we don't get to the root system. And what we know about all of these issues in our lives is that it takes a little digging around. Now, on the second category where he says fertilize, think about this. What does fertilizer do? And I want you to learn this this basic truth about your growth because we see every New Year's Day, you know what you see? You see people say, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to produce fruit this year. For three years, I haven't gotten any better. This year, I'm going to do it. Well, with what? I mean, you're the same you. Is there anything new that's being installed? Any new software, for example, that's getting downloaded? See, that's fertilizer. Learn this truth. A, a, A plant cannot produce what it needs in order to grow that's got to come from the outside and everything we know the bible teaches is is that god is the source see we're not the creator we're the creation and so we depend on the outside to get what we need for life starting with air and water right but to food and and then more than that to support and to 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 good instruction and to healing and to good modeling, and somebody showing you how to get to the next place. So that's, that's this fertilizer part, and that symbolizes grace. You no, know, grace is way more, way more than just God accepts me. Grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, unmerited meaning I can't produce it. I can't make it for myself. It's gotta be given to me. And favor means, you know, the good stuff we need. So what that says is that, We need things from each other in order to get better. You know, if you grew up in a place where nobody ever taught you, for example, and built in the skills to resolve a difficult conversation or built in the skills that would give you the love inside to to have the courage to go through hard times, we need to have that inserted into us from the outside. The Bible says encourage one another, put courage into one another. I remember a man that came to me, had a friend that had been struggling, so I've been trying to help him. I said, what's wrong? He said, I'm worried about his health. He's gained about 150 pounds in you know, a short amount of time. His father died of a heart attack about the same age. He's got three young kids and he's, now he's starting to get diabetes said, I'm trying to help him. I said, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm his accountability partner. And I said, well, how's that working? He said, I've been doing it for six months, holding him accountable to his diet and exercise, and and he's gaining weight. And I said, well, is he doing it? he said, well, not really. He kind of tries, and then he doesn't. And I said, and then what do you do? He said, well, I hold him accountable the next week. And I said, well, then what does he do after that? He said, well, I hold him accountable. He fails, and then I hold him. And it was in this cycle, just stuck for three years, over and over and over. Well, you know what I said to him? I said, if you love this guy, you better stop holding him accountable because what you're gonna do is kill him. He said, why? I said, because there's no grace here. He said, oh, absolutely there's grace. I forgive him and and we pray for forgiveness. And then I said, yeah, but grace is more than forgiveness. Grace is unmerited favor. It's giving him what he doesn't possess to get better. I said, where are you doing that? He said, well, what would that look like? And I said, for example, he doesn't have any self-discipline. He goes, you're right, he needs some self-discipline. I said, well, where's he gonna get that? He says, well, self-discipline. I go, you just told me the self that's gaining weight has no discipline. So we can tell an empty car, a car without any gas to go get some self gas. See, discipline's gotta come from the outside. He said, well, what does that look like? I said, do you have five guys that love this guy? He says, yeah. I said, well, how about if they have discipline, that they give their discipline to him. Monday, one of them shows up at his door, 12 o'clock, says, come on, we're going on a 45 minute walk. And the next one says, come on, we're going on a bike ride. The third one says, Come on, I go to the gym, you're going with me. Some kind of where their structure and their discipline was given to him, and he joins that. See, we're not called to have everything. Grace gives it to us. We're encouraged to join grace, to obey grace. So when it's offered to us, we find a program. We find the small group structure you're in, for example, to show up and let them minister to you. And so we did that. And I said, also, he's probably eating because he's hurting. Where is he grieving? Where is he working through this pain? He said, well, I don't know. He said, I said, so we put him in a grief group. And the grace of those people provided him the comfort and the healing that he needed to process this. And we did a few more other things. We gave him a CEO coach because he was running an organization. And, and that coach began to teach him and show him the skills he needed to not be so stressed. See, that's grace. You know, 1 Peter 4.10 says this, when we use our gifts with each other and we're giving each other these abilities, it says when you do that, and get this, it says you are administering the grace of God to each other in its various forms. When we coach one another, when we encourage one another, when we heal one another, when we model new skills to one another, that's God's grace and we're giving it to each other. And then he says do it for another year well this is going to take some time so in this series what we're going to go through here are the specifics in these areas of how grace truth and time help okay but i want to make sure that you have all three don't just be in a place where you have grace and no truth and no digging around don't have a lot of truth without a lot of grace and make sure you don't do it in a weekend that you do it over time when we do that and look at those arenas and have them working in our lives Then that tree begins to bear fruit.
0: Thank you. And um, yeah, we thought we'd play that to you so that you get an an idea of what is coming um, over the next month or two. Uh, That is Dr. Cloud. Um, You've already heard from that video that he has some really beautiful ways of just simply. Um, teaching the Bible and teaching some concepts that are quite profound, uh, and a lot of um, clinical experience as well uh, to add into that. And so over the next, um, perhaps you can put the next slide up for me, over the next uh, couple of months, we're going to be looking at some of the, the building blocks in that series, Relational Connection, Boundaries, uh, Processing Pain and Becoming an Adult, and uh, all of that is to come. And there'll be some opportunity to engage with it in the life group as well. Um, coming back to today and to sum up this series, uh, I put these questions up earlier. There they are again. What is God inviting us to step into this year? How do we want our faith to grow? What attitudes, values do we want to see changed? Answering these questions honestly, properly, actually means being real, doesn't it? It means being real with ourselves, uh, real with, at least real with ourselves, real with others who we trust um, if we want to actually grow, meaningfully grow, and see meaningful change, it kind of starts, as if we hadn't worked this out already, from a place of our own acknowledging our own vulnerability and uh, our own weakness. And actually, when we admit that we haven't got it together, we haven't got it right, that we don't always get things right, that we can't make things happen ourselves, well, that's a really important step as we take that we take on the way to dependence on. God, on trusting him, on knowing and acknowledging that it's him we need, it's him we need to depend on. And in some seasons, that's a decision that we need to make from time to time. In other seasons, it's a decision that we have to make really, really regularly. Sometimes it's not enough even just to say... I choose to depend on God once. You know, you might say, oh, I've cho- I chose to depend on God back in the day when I made a decision to follow him or I chose to depend on God when my, something happened, when my, my, my child went off to university or something or when uh, I got a new job or whatever. Actually, I think what I'm learning is that choosing to depend on God is an everyday kind of choice, isn't it? It's something we have to do really regularly. Uh, how do we stay dependent on God, despite everything that's going on, despite the the uncertainty? That's what I'd love to talk about just for a few moments before we finish this morning. You see, during the pandemic, many things changed, didn't they? And many priorities got reevaluated. For many people, their reevaluation of their priorities included their engagement with church. There are people who don't come here anymore, who used to come before COVID and haven't come back since. Sometimes, in some examples, they've gone to a different church. Um, other times they've not really gone anywhere. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge for us as a church. It's, it's a challenge that many pastors I know have uh, reported. And if I'm honest, you know, as a, as a pastor, you sort of scratch your head a bit and you think about this and you think, well, what, what is God doing here? And I honestly, as I've reflected on this, I think that God has used this season to kind of shake us up as believers. I don't think God caused COVID but he does seem to be using the season, at least in part, to remind us what following Jesus is really about. And in fact, to, t- to shake away perhaps some of the things that following Jesus isn't about. So pre-pandemic, for example, maybe you were one of these people, but I know some of us took church for granted a little bit. We just rocked up and enjoyed the vibe and the coffee and got a warm feeling and a spiritual boost for the week and kind of, You know, some of us, if we're honest, we enjoyed being part of things without having to be really committed to the relationships necessarily. And so when the pandemic kicked in, it was a major upheaval at the start of lockdown. We realized that that kind of church just wasn't going to work. And we had to learn a different way of relating to Jesus, actually. We learned, I'd certainly learned that I can't relate to God vicariously through the church service or even through the people that actually what this boils down to for us is a journey with Jesus, a journey about each of us being up close and personal to him, a a journey, a relationship that sustains us. And that's challenging, isn't it? That's really challenging, but it starts with... uh, It has to, it necessarily starts with us making ourselves vulnerable. And last week, Paul and uh, Laura were sharing, and they shared a picture of um, taking a house... Um, back to the brickwork, you know, it was about, um, it was about sort of redecorating, but not just redecorating, kind of peeling all the plaster off. You know how sometimes in a room or in a house, you take it right back to the brickwork, you expose the raw structure in order to then redesign and redecorate the room and to put um, new stuff on top of it. And I think that's a great picture, actually, of what God is doing and wants to do with us many of us. And I think probably if I'm honest with you, it's a picture of what he wants to do with us as a church as well. You know, often it's when we choose to depend on God that we have that sense of things being stripped away. Now that can be scary. That can be um, a little bit threatening. It can feel a little bit unsafe. But it's just a crucial time to take a step of faith. You know, this series, this month, as I've already um, perhaps alluded to, hasn't gone quite as we would have expected. To be honest, at the start of the year, we thought we had some plans to unveil. But then we just had a check. And we just wanted to make sure, really discern if, what, if this was what God's saying, if this is the right timing for the year. And that's quite an uncomfortable place to be because, you know, you've got a, a talk on Sunday. You've got, you've got a pre- schedule to speak. And you, you know that you're just trying to hear what God wants to say. And that creates a culture of dependence. It creates a need to say, actually, Lord, this isn't about me. This is about you. What do you want to say? And that's the small picture of the big picture of our lives, isn't it? And so how do we stay dependent on God when perhaps we feel the pressure of a deadline? Perhaps we really need to know what the answer is or we don't know what the answer is. How do we stop ourselves stepping in And filling the gap. What does trusting really look like? You know that phrase, trust the Lord with all your heart. It's so easy to say. It's easy to trot out, isn't it? Oh, just trust God, everything will be fine. But my question for the rest of this morning is, how does that work in practice? Practically, what does that look like? Or as we used to say when we were teaching kids a lot, how does that work in the playground? You know, what does it look like day by day, to stay dependent on God. And for that, I just want to come back to a passage, um, a short passage from Philippians that I've been reading and rereading and quoting back at God probably for the last 30 years, ever since uh, the start of my adult life. And it's this passage here from Philippians chapter 4. I'll read it with you. You You can follow along. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It's almost a throwaway little passage that Paul puts in at the end of his letter to the Philippians. But it's a massive word of encouragement, and it's so casual, and yet it's so practical and there are some things here that I have found myself doing all of my life. All of my adult life, I've been trying to read this passage when I've felt stressed, when I've felt anxious, when I've felt nervous, when I don't know what to do. I always find myself coming back to this passage. Number one, the first piece of advice, the first piece of wisdom, trust in the Lord. Perhaps you can uh, flip the slide for me. <coughs> when, when do you trust in the Lord? Is it in church on Sunday when there's a great worship band and you know I can get caught up in it. Is it is that when we trust in the Lord? Is it trust in the Lord when we feel like it? Is it trust in the Lord when things are going well? Is it trust in the Lord when my head's in a good place? No, it says trust in the Lord always. When you're stuck at home with COVID, when you can't see your friends, when you're uncertain what's gonna happen next, when your health is tricky, these are the times to rejoice. Let me read you the study notes from my study Bible. It says, The joy that Paul calls for is not a happiness that depends on circumstances, but a deep contentment that's in the Lord based on trust in the sovereign, living God, and that therefore is always available, even in difficult times. The first song we sung today, the words are, Faithful in the fire, faithful in the flood, your love keeps coming it won't give up, you're strong enough. And then it says, thank you for the... I brought the wrong sheet. Sorry. (laughs) This is the bit. It says, thank you for the heavens that are open wide. Thank you for the river that will not run dry. Thank you for the blessing that's over my life. Thank you that you're faithful in the mystery. Thank you that you're working when I can't see. What a fantastic way to start our service with worship, by saying thank you and choosing to trust. That's a really practical demonstration. Rejoice in the Lord always. God is worthy of our worship, whatever happens. Thankfulness is a great place to start. Do you know the prayer of examine? We're going to look at that just at the end of this morning in a few moments. But the prayer of examine, it's an ancient prayer. And it's a brilliant thing to do. And it starts off with thankfulness. Now that doesn't mean to say that there, it isn't appropriate to talk to God about the things that are concerning us. Of course it is. But that's not where we start. Where we start is rejoicing the Lord always. There's, a prayer, there's thankfulness there. Not what, I'm, what, what am I stressed out about, but what am I grateful for? What am I grateful for? That's why I love that song. I love that bridge. Thank you for all those things. Thank you that you're doing this. Thank you for that. Just a really good thing to say thank you. So that's the first piece of advice, wisdom. Um, rejoice in the Lord. Secondly, the next verse says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Think about what others might need before thinking about yourself. There's a little practical piece of wisdom here that's just, perhaps, perhaps you might say it this way, turn your eyes outwards. And look to others. Think about what others need more than what I need. You know, no matter how hard things are, it is always possible to look to support and help somebody else. Even those of us who are in a really deep, dark place with deep needs. We're part of a community. That's what you were hearing in that testimony I read earlier about the churches that Heal, Changes That Heal group. You know, what I heard in that testimony was, I might be struggling, but I love to be part of a group where we can support one another. And again, that's a choice we make, even when times are tricky, even when times are difficult, is that we, we make a choice that we're not going to be the complete focus, that we're going to allow others to do that, and we're going to let our gentleness be evident to all. That's how we start to get a place of healing, actually. That's how mindsets start to shift. And then the third part, which is the kind of the main part of this verse, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Do not be anxious about anything. I'm not really sure what else to say about that statement other than do not be anxious about anything. That's Paul's instruction. And he's only echoing what Jesus said as well. I wonder how many times we do feel anxious about stuff. It's so easy to do, isn't it? Difficult conversations got coming up. How's that going to go? What's, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to be against me. Financial challenges, maybe we've got, or health worries, test results, relationship tensions. All of these things, you know, as we do it's so easy to dwell on the possibility of what could happen, what could go wrong, what, what different outcomes could be. And these things play on our minds. And that anxiety can become crippling. Now I know that anxiety is a serious mental health disorder and I'm not, I can't offer professional expertise or advice on that. I'm not one to comment on that. But I do want to say that the Bible says that when something's troubling me, I can bring it to God. That's what this verse says. I've been quoting this verse at God for 30 years. Hey God, it says in your Bible... Don't be anxious about anything. I'm feeling anxious, so I don't want to feel anxious. So and now I'm bringing my prayers to you. Just like you said, in prayer and petition, every situation, and it is qualified there with Thanksgiving. We've covered that already. You know, um, It's something I've been doing all my adult life. I used to write my prayers in journals because I wasn't convinced that God had heard me. So I kind of thought, well, I'd say this to God and I'd talk about it with him and then I'd still feel it. And so I was thinking, well, has he heard me? Does he really know? Does he really know this? And so I'd write it down because I figured that if it was written down in my book, then he could read it as well. That was just my own, the way I was thinking at the time. Um, Present your requests by prayer and petition. You know, we might have to talk to him more than once about these things. Just in the same way that sometimes my children have to talk to me more than once about the things that are troubling them. Sometimes as a father I can respond straight away and say, yep, I can sort that out, let's do it now. Sometimes when my kids talk to me about the things that are bothering them, I just need to listen and let them process it, get it out there. Sometimes I need to reflect things back to them and help them get a different perspective. It's all about relationship what are the kinds of things that God wants to hear about? I think it's everything. I was just asking myself the question, when has me, when has giving something to God not made me feel better? Hardly ever. Can't think of a time. Is there a time when God has not provided for my needs? No, can't think of one. I mean, he doesn't always provide the stuff I want, but... The stuff I need, I've never been without. How does that work? What's the, what's the point of this? For me, the point of this is the bit that comes after that. It's verse 7. It's the, his, it's the key outcome for this because he says, don't be anxious about anything. Present your prayers and requests to God. And then the next part says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus transcends all understanding. To me, that implies a supernatural peace. That implies something I cannot get my head around or understand myself. I can't manufacture it. I can't make it happen. I can't make that peace happen. I can't sit there and you know, meditate and hope that it just comes. It's a, something that comes from God. It transcends my understanding. It goes beyond my understanding. I have had times in my life when I have had to repeat this promise over and over to myself, when I've had to keep telling God about the things that are causing me anxiety. I've lain on my bed, trembling in fear, holding a cross and praying in tongues because I was so scared of what might happen, so overcome with anxiety. And yet, as I've sought to do this and claim this promise for myself, every time the Lord has met with me. That's how I deal with the gap where I've been told to trust him and yet I'm not sure how it's going to work out. That, for me, is dependency on God. You know, um, last week uh, we weren't here because we were suffering uh, with COVID. Um, We weren't actually going to be here anywhere. I wasn't going to be because I was supposed to be up in Birmingham at my sister's church where a little baby that she had two years ago was being dedicated. Now, my sister, I remember um, me and my sister having a conversation uh, in the hospice when my dad was dying. This is back in 2006 and my sister who got married very late in life what didn't have a partner didn't have a um, didn't have anybody on the horizon at that point and was probably getting quite old getting quite old i suppose and um, i remember her saying to me we were there my dad hadn't died but he was going to die within a day or two and i remember her saying to me the the most one of the most upsetting things at the time was uh, he's never going to walk me down the aisle her, her, my dad her dad was never going to walk her down the aisle and, that was, and we, it started a conversation for us around what God wanted to do in her life and provision. And I said, of course, well, I will walk you down the aisle. Um, but that was always assuming that she would meet someone, and that's not guaranteed. And she was working that through, and she'd come to terms with that. Anyway, she did meet someone, and they did and, and, and they did get married, and I did walk her down the aisle. Um, and, uh, and, and again, even in that circumstance, that was difficult, because they got engaged. Um, my mum was there at the engagement, but then didn't make the wedding, because... Again, my mum died uh, just a matter of weeks afterwards. And, um, uh, and so then that happened, and that was in uh, 14, I think. Um, and at each stage, it was just tricky, each stage of this, this process. And then my sister wanted to have kids, and of course there were some fertility challenges as well. Um, and then just gloriously, about two years ago, two and a half years ago, she got, she got pregnant and um, had this little girl, Ruby, and we were hoping to go, and we missed it because of COVID. Uh, We weren't able to go, but it was a celebration, and we watched the video, and we sent messages. Um, And at each stage in my sister's life, she has had to uh, trust in bringing her anxiety before God. And I found myself doing the same thing because we don't have any parents left, so I kind of felt like I had a bit of a, I don't know, big brotherly responsibility here. And again, so I'm not just doing this for myself. I'm praying this, and I'm living this out for my family, And for the people that are close to me, and all those things are really important. At every stage, I have prayed, Lord, here's what I feel anxious about. I'm bringing it to you now, and I'm waiting and I'm trusting that your Holy Spirit will bring peace. Will I get enough money to do what I need to do? I don't know. Will we get enough people to run the coffee team? I don't know. When my son gets through his his GCSEs unscathed, I don't know. I don't really know anything except that I can bring everything to God. And I can trust him. And he's trustworthy. And when I am feeling anxious, that's the time to trust and pray. And practically for me, that's how I want to be, dependent on God in 2022. Joe and I were on a Zoom call with some pastors the other week. And we were praying for one another And one guy prayed for us, and he had this word for us, and it was quite a simple prayer. He said, I'm praying for refreshing and renewal for you guys. Renewal and refreshing. And the words really resonated with us, and we wondered if this was God talking to us, not just for Joe and I personally, but for us as a church this year. Because after the pandemic, wouldn't so many of us just love to be refreshed? and renewed, to have a a feel. We don't just want to feel like we're putting our shoulder to the plow again. We're just going again, going again. There's a whole idea about refreshing and renewal. I think that's what this changes that heal material is about, renewal of the mind. It's a renewal of vulnerability as we peel back the layers. It's a renewal of trust as we walk by faith and we embrace the tension and we learn to live in it. And it's a renewal of dependency on God looking to him in the midst of everything. And that's kind of what I feel like God was inviting us to think about today and for this week. And how I'd love to finish is with a daily examine. Now, this is the prayer that I mentioned. And I wonder if you might join with me and we'll do this together. I wonder if I might just lead us through this prayer. It'll only take a minute. It doesn't have to be a very long, drawn out, detailed thing at all. There are just these five steps, and I'll just lead you through, and I'll leave you a little bit of, a little bit of um, quiet. And if, if this is helpful, if you'd like to engage in this, then I'd invite you to do that now. If you want to do this yourself, you can look this up on the internet. It's very straightforward, okay? Very straightforward. I kind of tend to do this, try and do it at least once a day. And the first thing says, just be still. Become aware of the presence of God. So just let's do that. Breathe in deeply. And you might want to just pray. There's a prayer you pray in your heads. As you breathe in, you pray, you are here. And as you breathe out, you just say, and I am with you. You are here. And I am with you. And you are here. And I am with you. And we become aware. Of the presence of God in this place here today with us and then we give thanks and we look back over the last few hours and simply give thanks for the things that we can remember what are you grateful for from this morning what are you grateful for from last night just looking back over the past few hours through the lens of thankfulness even for the challenges maybe it's a thank you that that's not going to happen again or thank you that I can learn from this thankfulness is so key in this as we rejoice in the Lord And as we're doing that, the next stage is to reflect and just to become aware of our emotions and aware of the state of our hearts and maybe name the emotions that we're feeling and give them to God. This is a great moment to reflect on actions from the last few hours. It might be that you are aware of something that you did that you did didn't, shouldn't have done or something where you, you didn't choose Jesus' way. And this is a good moment just to pray for us for forgiveness. But whatever's going on, just become aware and give those emotions to God, be they negative or positive. And then coming out of that, choose just one joy or sorrow and turn that into a prayer. It could be there's something very big in your mind that you want to bring to God or need to bring to God or it could be that there's a number of small things but just pray with boldness and pray with confidence knowing that the Father is listening knowing that he hears our hearts and he knows our desires if there are things that you are anxious about today then give them to him now this is a great moment to say, I'm going to place it in your hands. I'm going to bring it to the, sometimes I want to visualize bringing it to the foot of the cross. Or just open it, or just sitting with open hands and giving it to Jesus. <coughs> and as we do that, and as we're doing business with him, the last part is to look forward with hope. Committing the next few hours to God, trusting Him, acknowledging Him, moving forward with hope, and allowing the Holy Spirit, the peace and the presence of the Holy Spirit, to be with us. Now, there's actually no need to rush away from this place. God is here. His spirit is with us. His presence is here. And that supernatural peace is available to all any time.